real pain points that I know are relevant. And then before I know it, I'd booked a meeting with a VP of marketing at a kind of, I think, 200 million funded SaaS company. We sold them a 80 grand SEO deal. So I was like, shit, this works. I'm going to carry on. Hello and welcome to Confessions of a B2B Marketer. My name is Tom Hunter and today we have Sam, the first person to come on the show twice. Sam Dunning of Breaking a B2B is here and I basically wanted Sam to explain how he gets customers for his business and he came in with this absolute curveball. You can probably guess because it's the title of this episode, but it's about cold calling. So we're going to jump into that as well as everything else that Sam does to find and convert B2B customers. Before that, big shout out to Fame is the business that I own. They produce this podcast. They also have social and email stuff. They're the three things you need to build Fame as a B2B company. If you want that, go to fame.so. Tell them you came from Confessions of a B2B Marketer. Let's jump into this episode now. Welcome back, Sam. Hey, Tom. Thanks for having me on for a second time, sir. Clearly didn't piss enough people off. <laughs> I think you might be the only guest that's been on twice. Oh, really? What a privilege. Yeah, for now, we might have more but. I guess, I think the reason is, Sam, is because I've seen you in a Superman costume. Ah, uh, yeah. It's actually in the corner of this office. So uh, you can always get it out at the end of the episode for anyone that, that watches as opposed to listens. So we're going to open that loop for other people later in the episode because we are, I think, going to cover this, the so content that Sam does for his business. But what I would love to jump into is breaking down everything that you do to drive customers to web choice because I see you everywhere. And I want to understand how we're doing this and what we're doing. There's probably some other stuff that I don't see, all the way from the top of the funnel, e.g. the SEO man content, all the way down to how this site's been optimized for conversion. Does that sound good? Sounds cool, man. Happy to share everything and dive deep as you wish. Okay, so let's start right at the top of the funnel. Like It is like the SEO man, and there's other iterations, there's other characters, I think. Would you say that's the highest stuff you guys do? Top of the funnel-wise? Yeah, probably. Actually, I do other stuff, but we can dive into that. Let's start with LinkedIn, and then I can share some more unusual outreach methods and funnel building methods that I do that you probably aren't even aware of. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, if we start with LinkedIn, I mean, man, some of the stuff we've thrown out on LinkedIn to build awareness and drive customers over the years is mental. Like probably one of the most ones that stuck out is me in a basically a Superman costume pretending to be an SEO superhero that we renamed SEO Man. And... I think we've done four episodes of that so far. And for anyone that's not seen it, it's basically me in a skin tight vest, SEO man, kind of superhero outfit, walking through my local town in Somerset, people wondering what the heck I'm doing. It's like a classic villain story. So I'm usually going it up against a villain. In this case, it was about Google SGE update. So that's generative experience, which was the upcoming AI update they're rolling out to the algorithm. And the enemy was that, I think he was called AI boy. So it's basically me running around, sharing some tips whilst chasing a guy who was pretending to be an AI villain. And we filmed that all, chopped it up into shorts and put the long form video along with some shorts on LinkedIn. And I guess it's just a way of... Has anyone come like inbound? Oh no, so when someone's come to you, do they say, we heard about you? Like, do you have attribution back to SEO man? There's, I take like these days, I never used to do this, but when people mention things on LinkedIn, I usually take a screenshot and just keep that in like a Google Sheet where I just drop all these screenshots. So sometimes I'll get a DM like saying, oh, I actually found you through SEO Man or I love the episode you did on this or I love when you do that and just kind of keep a note so I know what's getting good feedback or what people like. But the other funny thing about SEO Man is because there's a scene where I basically run through a gate into a field and it goes from me wearing normal clothes to chopping into this outfit. And I've got that now as my Zoom intro video. 
because before you start a Zoom meeting, you can have a little video and it's just 10 seconds of me swapping into my SEO man outfit. So it gets a few chuckles. But we do all kinds of stuff. I mean, we do the standard LinkedIn stuff, top of funnel. So just ship me each day, maybe doing two posts, sharing actionable SEO tips of what works, what doesn't, how I've ranked pages, unusual ways to convert leads on your website. You know, the standard kind of practical tip things. What else do we do? YouTube. Yeah, we do YouTube. In terms of the content on YouTube, we did run the podcast. So my podcast, Business Growth Show, which is rebranding shortly. And that is a mix at the moment of guest episodes. So just like this show, where I interview kind of experts in B2B and talk specifically about their niche and give practical tips, walkthroughs, guides, breakdowns, etc. And then we also do solo episodes. So that's more so where I'll just share a practical example of maybe how to rank a website with SEO, unusual page, unusual ways to rank websites, how to convert more leads for your site. Just everything around my niche, which obviously you could do relevant to your niche depending on what you do and how you help. And we also answer questions. So if I get questions commonly come up on sales calls, then I'll address those directly with a video and a podcast episode. And then as you know, the beauty of that is that it's got so much replay value. So then you can take those into long form articles, chop them up for LinkedIn posts. That is a great way of coming up with content ideas is being on sales calls and then recording answers to questions because you know by definition that these are things that people want to know before buying your stuff. Definitely. Exactly. If you're constantly getting a question or even an objection, like that's coming up quite a lot, like why are you guys so expensive? Can't I do this alternative to using you? Why does this take so long? And if you address those head on, not only is it evergreen content that's searchable on things like YouTube and the podcast platforms, but also you can put it on your website on key pages. Mm. So rather than making sales go through these objections head on every time, you can put that as a nice little FAQ section within the relevant page, whether that's a feature, offer, integration, service. You can also put the video and it's going to save sales time in the long run because then people will watch that or check out and read the content first or view it. And then it saves them a bit of pain on sales calls. So that's quite a... So not only... We're creating content that can be used, that can be discovered, easy top of the funnel. We're also shortening our sales cycle. That's the way. And then potentially even reducing sales rep churn because they're going to be less bored about their job because they don't have to repeat all the same questions. Exactly. I mean, I don't want to make this episode purely about website, but ultimately your website should help your salespeople as much as possible as well as your target clients. So it should remove friction, really. It's like addressing common questions, pain points, problems ultimately so it can give prospects that are on your site the information that they care about learning quickly and at the same time save your sales team a lot of time waste sending out pdfs or videos or answering questions and all that boring stuff they don't want to be doing so it's yeah a lot of good stuff there so yeah we do the podcast makes total sense if, if i want to jump back to the seo man mm-hmm. if someone else listening to this whether a marketer or founder entrepreneur wants to do something similar in their niche how like what's the process First, you have to come with the idea, and then how do you actually go and produce these videos? <laughs> we've done so many now. Like we've done SEO fellas. I think we've done an SEO mafia one. We've done SEO mats. We've done so many obscure things, just spin-offs of different film series and stuff. So I suppose it's the point that we're really trying to do is stand out. Because as you'll see on LinkedIn, the stuff that tends to get the most attention is a bit different. It's differentiated from everything else you see. So that was the focus point. We don't want dull, flat, boring, fluffy content. So that was the initial goal. So you want to think, in our case, it was a mix of being entertaining, stand out, but also educational. So we weave in some tips in these videos. So in your case, think of it doesn't actually matter as long as it's different to what everyone else in your industry does. 
So it could be a superhero. It could be like a guy called Tim Davidson. I think he's a directive that cuts fruit while sharing B2B marketing tips. What is something that you can do on camera that's a bit different? Like it doesn't necessarily have to be in a superhero outfit. It could be you chopping fruit. It could be you playing a guitar. It could be you outside setting up a little shop, watching people go by. It could be like I'm planning to do where I go up to the street and ask people unusual questions that have no idea about B2B marketing, but I'm going to ask them about B2B marketing to see the reaction. What is something you can do that's different? And at the same time, in between, share some, share a few tips so it's actually relevant to your niche and share some ideas. And what we normally do is just draft a few bullet points on a Google Doc, come up with a concept, so we'll brainstorm maybe a couple of us, an idea, draft a few bullet points on a Google Doc, meet up the morning in the coffee for some coffee and just flesh it out a bit more. And then we'll literally record it on the day. And then we'll probably edit on the day, get it up on YouTube, get it up on the LinkedIn, make some shorts. It's all done within 24 hours usually. Wow. There we go, guys. And I have to think of something for like the B2B podcast space. Maybe something, oh, we need an enemy. That's what I liked about the recent one. It's like AI boy, AI is enemy, which is timely for SEO. We haven't obviously discussed what you guys do for Google Organic at the top of the funnel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I can talk a lot to bottom of the funnel because I believe SEO should always start with a bottom-up approach rather than articles. But yeah, I suppose higher up the funnel, I'm not a big proponent. I'm not a big fan really of creating how to SEO content because I think a lot of it's fluffy. Then you rank for like best web development agency England or something, don't you? Yeah, I mean, web choice ranks for like web development company, B2B SEO company, SaaS web design, fintech web design, like a bunch of kind of bottom of the funnel, decent terms that actually drive qualified leads. Oh yeah, so that's more bottom of the funnel, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. But whereas if you were to go, I suppose you could go higher up the funnel from a SaaS standpoint, Tom, and you could look at keywords like if you're, a, let's say, calendar tool provider, you could look at like, if you say you were Revenue Hero or Chili Piper, you might look at Chili Piper alternatives or Calendly alternatives or whatever your main competitors are, build alternatives pages for those, which is kind of mid-funnel SEO stuff. And that's basically, usually when you Google an alternatives or a versus keyword like Calendly versus Chili Piper in the calendar booking tool space, it's a listicle. So it's like top 10 or top 15 alternatives. And you usually position your offer as the top and then do a write-up on all the others. And quite often those alternatives are, are listicle-based articles. So that is one way that I like to do. Quite often those are quite easy to surpass in the sense that you can just look at what their competitors are doing that rank number one in organic, look for where they fall short. Maybe they've only got 10 alternatives and then you absolutely smash it out of the water. You do 25, you do a more detailed write-up, you add some social proof in between. Maybe you do a lead magnet for people to check out your podcast. Because the thing is, if you're focusing on article kind of informative-based SEO, a lot of those prospects aren't ready to have a sales demo or sales convo yet. So you want to warm them up with maybe check out our resource, check out our YouTube, check out our podcast. It's not until you get to the bottom of the funnel SEO where people are ready for a sales call, if that makes sense. Makes total sense. So you guys don't really invest much in these like articles that are going to be really high up that may not lead to anything? Not so much. Yeah, so we don't do a ton top of funnel SEO. And when I say top of funnel SEO, I mean like informative things like top ways to do X or how to do Y or what to consider before doing Z, those kind of fluffy articles. One, because they're more focused on driving traffic rather than sales conversations, because people quite often will search those things, get the answer from your article, then jump off. And two, because when Google rolls out Google SGE, search generative experience, that's going to wipe out a lot of those easy to answer questions because the results will quite literally be shown above the fold when you Google the question. So if you're focusing your content on fluffy questions, Google's going to kill your traffic most likely 
because it will just get answered instantly with AI and the results. So something to be aware of. That makes total sense. You always see like SEO or like content marketing managers showing their Google search console screenshots with like organic traffic going up into the right, which is great. If I love, I have those charts as well, but then surely the yeah. CEO is just being like, okay, so how many leads do we generate? And then we're like, nothing, but we got traffic. Exactly. That's super interesting. I was potentially going to ask our head of growth to write some top of the funnel how-to articles, but now I'm probably not based on that insight. I think it's not, I'm not saying definitely don't do them, but I'm saying don't do the simple ones. If it's like a question that's kind of more nuanced, more specific to your niche, it might be good. But if you're doing really vague top level stuff that could be answered by AI, what's the point? It'll probably just get wiped out. Yeah, that's what I'd say. Makes total sense. All right. So I think we've probably done anything else at the awareness stage you guys are doing that we haven't covered. Yeah, there's a few. So one that I've started doing a while ago is more of an experiment, Tom, was is actually cold calling, which I don't know how many founders of do this, probably not a ton unless they're in more of the outbound space. So about a year ago, I thought I'm wasting a lot of time on LinkedIn. I'm just scrolling out endlessly. Yeah, I'm doing one or two posts a day. And yes, that builds awareness. And yes, that drives inquiries. Sure. But I could be just dialing some of my ICP. And I thought a dialer is 30 bucks a month. I can buy data on a tool like Lusher for like, I don't know, 40 cents a record. Why don't I just fire up in our case, look for VPs of marketing, demand generation directors, et cetera, and start dialing them and lead with the problems we fix and see if it gets anything. A few months in, well, I wasn't doing much. I wasn't like doing a sick amount of cold calling. I was doing like one hour a couple of times a week when I had time. Mm-hmm. So how many calls, like 20 calls a session? No, nah, more than that. You can bust out like 60 or so an hour with a dialer. So literally leading like with a pattern interrupt, like I'll be up front, it's a cold call. If they give you permission to speak, like can I have 30 seconds or do you want to slam the phone? If they say yes, then I'll lead with the problems we fix. In our case, like often CEOs or VPs of marketing, depending on who I would speak to, are frustrated because they're seeing competitors above them in organic search when they need the offer or their website's not converting a steady flow of traffic into qualified demos or leads. So real pain points that I know are relevant. And then before I know it, I'd booked a meeting with a VP of marketing at a kind of I think 200 million funded SaaS company, we sold them a 80 grand SEO deal. No way. So I was like, shit, this works. I'm going to carry on. (laughs) So I was like, this hour that I'm spending every day messing around on LinkedIn, I could run a couple dials. And as well as all this other marketing I'm doing, instead of sitting on my ass, I could just do a few dials while scrolling LinkedIn on my other screen. And it seems to work. So if you're a founder that's struggling, do that. It's super cheap. So do you think that that, Example, the ADK deal. You think they were like in the market for SEO and you were just there, like you got them, he or she liked you and that's why they gave you the deal. Like any more insight as to why that closed? Yeah, I'll tell you what, a lot of, like in my, most things in marketing and outbound and top of funnel, it's timing, relevance and messaging. So all oh, the better order is messaging, relevance and timing, right? So could have caught them on another day and they could have said, piss off or could have caught them another day and they said, we're already evaluating three lenders. It's like most things, it's all those things, timing, message, and relevance come into play. And you will, like when you're doing outbound, just like if you're doing outbound email or LinkedIn messaging, might say, look, it sounds relevant, but I need to run it past my head of marketing or call me back in three months, that kind of stuff. So yeah, that's something a bit different. That's if you're willing to put the time in and you don't have to put a lot of time, like an hour or so every couple of days, it's a good way to build top of funnel and just build up a pipeline. That's a great story. Really great story. Anything else? Yeah. So we do the podcast. We do that. 
we do a little bit of cold calling, obviously LinkedIn. I've got the email list as well. So I, a lot of what I didn't mention is a lot of the content that I put on LinkedIn in my posts, I'll put PS, like grab my ultimate B2B website playbook or my ultimate B2B SEO playbook. That then links in the comments to my Gumroad platform that's got a few playbooks. And like, I think we've had maybe 15, maybe 2000 of those downloaded. And every time someone downloads them, I set them to free. They used to be paid for guides, but then I just made them free. So it's more accessible. And then every time someone downloads one of those, they feed into my email list and I send a daily newsletter. So my daily newsletter is daily. Yeah. And it's just basically my LinkedIn posts recycled into short, actionable tips. Makes a lot of sense. So then that's just another way to keep top of mind. Like it doesn't drive a ton of business, but every time I message people, they're like, oh, I'm enjoying your newsletter tips or thanks for this or whatever. If you're doing two LinkedIn posts a day, are you like waking up early and writing them daily before work or do you do them in like a batch? I honestly have the worst strategy. Like I'm the opposite of someone like, who is it? Is it Justin Rowe? The guy that's not Justin Rowe, the other Justin, the, the LinkedIn master Justin, I forgot his name. Yeah. I can't remember. I think I know the one you're talking about. I can't remember his name. He's like that. Got the most followers on LinkedIn, Justin something. Anyway, I'm not that. I'll sometimes, I've got a notes app on my iPhone where I just constantly list like questions that I get asked, maybe problems that we face, objections we get in sales calls, ideas for things. And that will help fuel my content. But most of the time, I'm just waking up in the morning, doing thinking of a post, scheduling it for 11 a.m., whether that's a tip, an idea, a story, a question, whatever, or a video. And then doing similar like 2 or 3 p.m. in the afternoon, doing another one. And I usually alternate between text or video or image post and just then recycle those for the daily email. That tends to be the flow. So then in the morning, your author will like take those posts and then format them into an email and schedule that as well. That's right. Love it. Yeah. Daily email. Doesn't take long, but it's just a habit for me now. Makes total sense. I think we probably should move down the funnel now because... We've taken up a chunk of time. <laughs> Anything in the middle or should we skip right to the bottom on the website? Yeah, I'll give you something which probably counts as the middle and that's partnerships. So the partnerships have been really useful and they will be useful for me moving forwards. They're a great route to market, right? So finding companies in a complementary space to yourselves. So for us, doing kind of B2B SEO and B2B websites, it makes sense to partner with like LinkedIn ads agencies analytics agencies, CRM companies, et cetera, companies that go after similar clients, but don't fight for the same services. So then you build relationships with these folks. You basically say, look, anytime you get an inquiry for this, can you ship it our way? And anytime we get an inquiry for your offer, we'll send them your way. And that way you don't even have to pay a kickback fee because you're sending work each other's way. Whereas some companies where there might not be an opportunity for you to send them work, you might say, look, we'll give you a 10% kickback of deal closed every time that we win business. So what I tend, I probably do a bit of outreach most days, really. I'll, I'll reach out to two or three relevant companies on LinkedIn, send them a personalized message, and just say, look, is there any opportunity around this? Or send them a quick Loom video. It's a really nice way to just build up a partner ecosystem. What I'm hearing of a lot of hustle. Like every day we're banging all this stuff out. That's, that's the entrepreneur founder life though, isn't it, Tom? You know the score. I don't know if I'm this productive. If you want to run a business, <laughs> if you want to run a business, it isn't all kind of uh, sunshine and lollipops. You've got to do a lot of legwork, especially in the early days. Is your role at the moment just on the sales and marketing side or do you ever get involved in like client account management? Little bit, a little bit in the kind of project management and stuff. My main, I mostly enjoy strategy, content creation and getting on sales calls and then messing around with the marketing as well. And then I'll do a bit of project management for the bigger accounts. Makes total sense. All right, let's get to the gold stuff then. So we're doing all this work to get people ideally to the site. 
what do we need to do to make sure the site is ready to take this investment in marketing that we're making? Yeah, so I normally do like hour-long shows on this, but I'll try and pack it as detailed as we can into the web. So most of the time, these folks then are going to check out your website, right? So this is what can either make or break all the blood, sweat, tears, resources, cash that you've spent to drive this awareness and drive this traffic to your B2B website. Now we need to make sure that it does a bloody good job of actually building trust and converting these prospects into qualified conversations or sales or demos. So, I mean, just running through some of the basics. I mean, on my podcast, I've interviewed what, I don't know, 300 plus B2B execs. And what they've told me is most of the time, if they're hopping onto a website in the B2B sector, they want to get a quick idea of kind of what you do and how you help along with a kind of juicy problem you fix. If you're a SaaS tool, they want to see the offer in action. They don't want to book a demo to see that SaaS tool. They want to see it there. They want to see screenshots. They want to see GIFs. They want to see an interactive demo on the site, maybe using something like Navitech. They don't want a sales call to see it. Then they want to see some proof of results. So they want to clearly see video testimonials, written testimonials, examples of case studies, how you've helped, results that you've brought to the table. They want to see your pricing. So they don't want to request a sales call to know if they can afford your offer. They want to get an indication of the brackets that you work to, i.e. we start at 5K plus. Or if you're a SaaS tool, it's much easier to group that into buckets. They want to get their questions answered. So they want to understand, like we talked about earlier, Tom, so weaving in FAQs into each of your product, service, or feature pages is not only good for overcoming those objections and helping your sales team save time, but it's also good for SEO because it provides content that has real demand and that people are going to be searching for. And on the basis that you check most of those boxes that I ran through there, they want to make it nice and easy, a nice and easy route to actually book that call or demo. So on your contact page or book a call page, having a calendar there, whether that's Calendly or Chili Piper Revenue Hero, whatever, so they can schedule that time straight away with a, a sales expert. I'm not talking about routing them to an SDR that's going to qualify them hard because your website would have done a lot of that groundwork. I want to send them to a sales engineer or an AE or someone that knows what they're talking about and can answer kind of questions around the offer. They don't want to fill out a form and then get a 20-page questionnaire just to then be routed through to an SDR to eventually go to an AE like a week later. That's a high-level overview, but we can jump into that as you wish. Quick one on the calendar. We're getting super specific here. On the calendar embed on the website, do you think there's a pro or con around having that public on the site or having that as something that appears after someone submits the form? I think that the back and forth can harm deals. So... For example, in, on the brand that we'll talk about in a bit that I'm building out, we'll definitely have a calendar there just so people can schedule it straight away. But then you have to be a bit more, like when you see the call come into your calendar, you have to qualify and then potentially delete it, right? Do you? Because in this calendar, not only can you do the stuff that I said on your website to pre-qualify, so you can share pricing processes, you can also even have a page about who you can, who you can't help. So you've got all this supporting information to weed out tire kickers or poor fit, poor fit prospects. Within that calendar booking scheduling tool itself, you can also have a couple supporting questions. So they can put their name, their email, they can choose to have a Zoom or Hangouts call, whatever. But they can also make sure they do a drop-down field, like maybe you can ask questions like, if you're a service, can you share more about the service you need? Can you confirm the budget bracket that you've got available to attack this? Can you confirm the urgency of the project? And anything else that is typically like one of the first questions you get asked. And that way you can save yourselves team time and make sure that these prospects are actually coming in ready to do some business. And so if they fill that out and book it in, but they're not qualified, then you just delete the, you don't let them have the call. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest, you are going to get the odd one of those, but that'll be the same if you did a form fill. Like, so if you just went for an inquiry form, 
you'd find you'd get quite a lot of spam and, and people messing around or trying to sell you services you sell already. Like, let's be honest, it happens. But it's, this is doing everything we can to pre-qualify prospects and save everyone time. Makes total sense. I think the big thing that I'm going to come away from this conversation with is two things. First, cold calling is back. Second is this whole like collecting, making sure that when you're asked questions in the sales process, you or whoever's in the sales team, that they're documented and then you create the answers and put them on the site, on social, et cetera. I feel like that's something that most people don't do. Yeah, I mean, you're right. A lot of B2B companies in tech, SaaS and service-based, I guess it's just a lack of transparency, isn't it? Because let's be honest, like if, I don't know if you're the same, Tom, but if I'm buying a tool or looking to invest in a certain service, then if I'm flicking on a site, I don't want to mess around and have a kind of long conversation with a sales rep to be qualified only to realize that I can't actually afford the offer. And then I've got to do the same with another company. I'd rather just flick onto their site, understand that they can help me with my problem, my issue, or help me get a job done, check that I can afford it, flick through some customer testimonials, look about some information about my questions answered, and then book a time with sales if I'm satisfied with all that. I imagine you're probably the same, and I imagine most people generally are the same. Totally agree. Let's talk about what I think could be an internet premiere, breaking B2B. Yeah. So I'm firing up my own business, which is why probably a lot of this is relevant. And going back to the bootstrap founder life, we're actually rebranding the podcast from Business Growth Show that's been going almost four years or so, which is mad to think. So rebranding that to breaking B2B. And we're firing up a new agency for kind of B2B SEO and web design and development to so helping tech and service companies drive a steady flow of qualified ops through organic search on their website. That's coming to play. So that's why a lot of this stuff that I've talked about is very relevant. And the SEO is something we're going to slowly build up on the new site, along with all the other strategies to build awareness and, and drive ops and hopefully do some business. Are you branding the agency B2B, uh, Breaking B2B as well? The agency is BreakingB2B.com. As is the podcast, yeah. Yeah. So the podcast and the agency is going to be the same. Yeah, I wasn't sure about it. Like I was thinking about like, before I set up, because I only set it up, started working on it recently. But I just got a load of feedback from kind of people on LinkedIn, did a LinkedIn post about it to get feedback. I think I did a post a couple of days ago, like, what do you think of this tagline? Which was, I think our tagline is going to be break free of shit B2B marketing or something like that. Obviously with the eye blanked out so it doesn't scare off the search engines. So I just wanted to, like I talked about at the start, standing out. because so many web agencies and SEO agencies just have bland names. Or I just want something a bit differentiated, a bit like your podcast kind of title. Yeah, I mean, I love it because it has alliteration and it also has like the connotation with Breaking Bad. I think it's awesome. So we're going to be linking to the podcast and the website below. So if anybody needs help with Google Organic or their sites or cold calling advice, then <laughs> reach out to Sam. Anything else we should mention? I think that's it for now, really. Yeah, that's the podcast. That's the website. And obviously, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn sharing more of this tips, ideas, and thoughts, and just general banter. Amazing, Sam. Thank you so much for your second appearance on Confessions of a B2B Marketer. Thank you, sir. All right. How about that founder of a business hitting the phones, closing Educate Deal? Thank you, Sam, so much. All Sam's links are below. We have to give a shout out to Emily Brown of ReachDesk. So Emily says, love this podcast, exclamation mark. Emily, thank you so much. We'll link to Emily's LinkedIn below. We'll also link to Reach Death below. They're delivering moments that matter. Thanks so much to Fame for producing this show. If you like a podcast or if you would like a podcast like this one, 
field B to B business, go to fame.so, request a proposal, and I will make sure I'll be there when you speak to the team. And of course, thank you so much for listening.